This is a Federal News Network podcast. The chairman of the House Armed Services Committee is sending a strong signal, namely that the Pentagon can expect a flat budget next year. At least Adam Smith thinks he can make that case to Congress after four years of rising budgets. Details are in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Scott Mossioni. Scott, was Adam Smith saying DOD will get a flat budget or that he thinks he can sell a flat budget to the rest of Congress? Well, I think the Biden administration will probably be putting out a flat budget, but it's looking like Adam Smith and Jack Reed, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, are both in agreement that a flat budget is what the Defense Department is probably going to be getting as well. Now, the people that they really have to convince are on the left and the right. What we've seen is that the more conservative members of the House Armed Services Committee have sent a letter to the Defense Department and to President Biden saying that the 2020 the 2022 budget should be about three to five percent higher than the previous one. That would put it in the eight hundred billion dollar range, if you really think about it. Um, and that's really just to keep the uh, Defense Department up with inflation. It's something that has been recommended in the National Defense Strategy and part of the commission that created that National Defense Strategy. Now, um, you know, that's something that the Defense Department has gotten over the past four years from the Trump administration is, is raises in the defense budget. And people on the left are not so excited about that. They think that that money can be used better for domestic sorts of issues. And there's lawmakers on the left who are calling for a 10% cut to the defense budget especially considering a lot of the waste that's been going on and some of the audits that haven't exactly come through as passing. So, uh, you know, they want to take that money and put it towards something like, uh, you know, building schools, making grants for states so that they can help with health, uh, hire teachers, all those sorts of things. Right. So at this point, then, it looks like it's going to devolve to the average in terms of the increase and the way it gets treated. Right. Uh, Well, you would assume so, possibly. Uh, You never know what's going to happen in these negotiations. Last year, we thought there was going to be a $733 billion budget for 2021, and we ended up with something closer to $750 billion. Uh, That was after some negotiations with uh, then-President Trump and the Republicans pushing it up a little farther. So, uh, you know, anything can happen in these sorts of situations. Uh, It's still pretty early in the cycle, and we haven't even gotten the budget from the Biden administration yet. That should be coming in uh, maybe within the next couple of weeks. And Jared, it's a small amount of the entire DOD budget and a small amount of the government-wide improper payments. But the Defense Contract Management Agency and the Defense Contract Audit Agency have a little bit of a snafu going with respect to improper payments. Yeah, and what, what we're talking about here is um, the the contract audits that DCAA does of DOD contracts to try to detect instances in which contractors have claimed allowable costs and charged them back to the government in instances where they are not actually allowable. GAO in this, per- I'm sorry, the DOD Inspector General in this particular report, the latest in a series really, looked at just two of the largest defense contractors and looked at a subset of just 30 reports that DCAA had done to audit some of those contracts. Contracts. They found that in they found a whole bunch of cases really where the, uh, the 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 DCAA auditors had found what they said were unallowable costs. DCMA, which is the contract manager, the con, uh, the contracting officer in these cases, essentially disregarded those audit findings and the the total dollar amount for just again these two defense contractors over the past three years was almost a hundred million dollars. 
Again, I want to emphasize that is just a sample of contracts, and that's dealing with just two defense contractors. Um, what, what the IG has done over the past several years is looked at similar instances where DCMA appears to be disregarding DCAA's audit findings and deciding that these, these costs, in fact, were allowable for whatever reason, which is their right. They are the, they are the ones that hold the contracting warrant. They, they have the relationship with the contracting officer. They have every right to make decisions on behalf of the government. But what the IG keeps saying here is, that's fine. You can disregard your auditor's advice, but you got to show your work so that there is some explanation as to why you thought these audit findings were invalid. And in case after case, that just has not been happening, at least to the IG's satisfaction. Yes, because each contract has its own set of allowable costs, and there's a regulatory structure around that and a statutory structure behind that 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 determines what ultimately is allowable. So it would seem like it should be cut and dried, but apparently not. It is cut and dried in the sense, you said, it is spelled out in each individual contract. There are also obviously things that are allowable costs by virtue of existing law or regulation. The newest one coming down the pike, of course, is going to be uh, CMMC. But it is a complex web to determine what exactly is allowable which which you know which sorts of costs are directly tied to allowable costs and which ones are not and it can be for a billion different things it could be for anything from stationary to a certain proportion of your employee your contractor employees health benefits to you know a partial executive compensation plan it can be for a, a ton of different things so tracing all of those elements back to contract language and FAR clauses is why we have 3,000 auditors in DCAA. All right. And Scott, back to you on the issue of the transparency of stratification in the Air Force. Usually you're talking about data, so it becomes the tra- the stratification of transparency. In this case, it's the opposite. What What are they talking about? Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of background. This is something that's unique to the Air Force and especially just for officers, really. And what it is, if you really just kind of hone it down, it's a class rank. It tells you what number you are and how you uh, team, how you, you pair up with people in a similar situation to you. The problem is, is that it depends on who you're being compared to. And officers weren't always sure. Sometimes you're being compared to someone that is in your whole duty position. Sometimes it's everyone in the Air Force. Sometimes it's people just in your grade. And, you know, it, sometimes they felt it wasn't fair to be uh, compared to someone, a civilian who didn't have the same sorts of um, you know, tasks or additional duties that maybe a, a, an officer may not have had. And what happens is, is that this class rank or the stratification is used to help with promotions, to help uh, really assess how you are as an officer. So what the Air Force is doing is really just structuring this so people know what they're actually getting. They can look inside the grocery cart and see what's, what's in there. So from now on, going forward, second lieutenants will no longer be strat- stratified, Company grade officers and field grade officer stratifications will no longer exist. So what you'll really have is just being ranked against people in your grade, people in your duty, and people in your command. And that's just what the Air Force is hoping is that they will just get this um, really just a more understandable way of understanding their, their talent management system and that airmen can really get how they can promote better. So to be clear, that doesn't mean everybody gets the same set of pin-on wings. There will still be ranking of officers, but not across the entire Air Force, but more within the cadre or cohort that a particular officer is in. Yeah, I think that the biggest issue was that no one really knew how they were being stratified. So you would just sort of get this arbitrary number saying, 
this is your rank and you don't know who, you know, are you being compared to enlisted people, other officers of what? Uh, and, and that's sort of the issue is that they're trying to make it so that you understand where you're being ranked at and, uh, you know, how you can maybe work better within that rank or get that rank up higher if you want to. So it's still a meritocracy. It is, yes. Well, that's reassuring for the Air Force. Federal News Network's DOD reporter Scott Marcioni and Jared Serbu. Their latest DOD reporter's notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. As we continue to face COVID-19, we're now facing flu season. Influenza has the potential to infect millions, putting lives and the healthcare system at risk. Now more than ever, it's essential to protect yourself from influenza by getting the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is safe and effective and can't give you the flu. To protect yourself and those at highest risk, get your flu vaccine. Learn more at michigan.gov flu. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old-fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork, this is how we work now.